Creative Babble. This episode contains depictions of violence and may not be suitable for all audiences. This is part two of The Realtor. If you're just joining us, you may want to start with part one. And like I mentioned last time, this is a really heavy story. It describes murders and rapes. So if this is not for you, I'd skip this one. Okay, let's start the show. Last time on Pretend Radio, Todd Kohab described in great detail how he kidnapped Megan Coxie and killed her husband, Johnny. So then you shot him how many times? Shot him twice. Okay. In the chest. Okay. He dropped forward. When he dropped forward, I went around him and put another one through a spinal column. Okay, and you shot her? Not exactly. Todd Kohep kept Megan prisoner for days, locked up inside a shipping container. So what happened with Megan? Um, put him there... Fed her for a couple days, uh, proceeded to go ahead, mostly just left her the hell alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, left her alone. I didn't know what to do with her. He claims he was going to let her go. I'll drive you up to damn Tennessee. I'll drop your ass off somewhere. If you got any common sense on this planet, you'll go left and I'll go right. Go. Please, go. Don't come back. It seemed like an easy, it seemed like an easy solution. She was on page. She was happy. She was happy as hell. Uh, went to get her out, and then all of a sudden, it's like I had a caged animal on my hands. I don't know what the hell, what the hell, she went from, I'm so freaking happy in the world to be, I'm going to go to Tennessee with money, and I'm going to restart my life, and thank you, thank you, thank you, mm-hmm. to bad shit crazy. At that point, I tried to walk her out of the building, I just had enough. I walked outside, I was trying to calm down, trying to figure out what the hell to do with her, what to do with her, what to do with her, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I walked walk her outside and walked her outside and put a four in the back of her head. Then, a year later, he does it again. He lures another couple, Kayla Brown and Charlie Carver, into his property. Same thing. He kills Charlie, then locks up Kayla in a shipping container. Luckily for Kayla, police found her alive. Just a barrel. Just a girl, just a girl. Just How are you, honey? Okay, we're going to get you out of there, okay? Just hang loose for me. Anybody got a, I need a handcuff key. Handcuff key. I don't I got it right here. Do you know where your buddy is? Charlie? Yes. He shot him. He shot him? Who did? Todd Kohep shot Charlie Carver three times in the chest, wrapped him in a blue tarp, put him in the bucket of the tractor, locked me down here, and I never seen him again. He says he's dead and buried. He says there's several bodies dead and buried out here. When police asked if he was going to kill Kayla, Kohep had this to say. Up there at the... The spot where you took Charlie. Mm-hmm. There were two holes dug. Mm-hmm. What was your intent with the second hole? Hadn't decided yet. Was that possibly for Kayla? Yes, sir. Okay. She came real close. Really? She has no idea. More than once. Two couples lured by a successful real estate agent in nearly identical circumstances. Both couples think they're going to clear brush from Todd Kohep's property. Instead, Kohep shoots and kills the men and locks up the women in a shipping container. I'm Javier Leva, and this is Pretend Radio.
Here's Kayla Brown speaking to investigators in the ambulance after she was rescued. He liked to brag that he was a serial killer and a mass murderer. He said he was going to kill more people because he had dreams of his body count being in three digits. He said right now it was still high two digits. Did he ever tell you how many people he's killed out there? Story-wise, he told me about four. He also told me that he walked into, a few years back, that he walked into a bike shop at Anderson and shot four people and left, and they never found out who did it. At first, investigators had no idea what she was talking about. It turns out that Todd Kohlhepp confessed to Kayla Brown about shooting up a motorcycle dealership in 2003. Here's Todd Kohlhepp talking to investigators after they arrested him for kidnapping Kayla. They asked him, what was the name of this shop? Superbike Motorsports. Superbike Motorsports. Yes, sir. And that's on Parentsburg Road, right? So it was a Thursday morning. Kohep walks into the Superbike Motorsports store and starts scoping out the place. He's not shopping for a motorcycle. He's looking for his next victim. Um, got there. Um, not everybody was there. Went and uh, sat on a few bikes. Did my usual basic stuff for time. And doing my best to make sure that the pain customers were not there. Collateral damage is not cool. This was during time, as you know, that it was not busy. That shows time that was not after work when I would have a lot of people in there. Did not want to shoot other people. Tell me what happened then. Uh, finally all four showed up. From the sound, it sounded like there was nobody else there. The four people Kohep is referencing are Brian Lucas, Chris Sherbert, Scott Ponder, and Scott's mother, Beverly Guy. When you say all four? All four people who worked at the, at, at the bike store. The mechanic, the mom. I was not going for the mom, but she was there at the time. She was working there, but... She got thrown into it. She wasn't, uh, she wasn't a primary target. Kohep was the only customer left in the store. He tells one of the employees that he's interested in a certain bike. Um, told him I would take it, at which point the mechanic took the bike to the back to prep it. Uh, proceeded to go to the back mechanics area where the mechanic was prepping the bike. Walked up, pulled out the Beretta, put the safety off, shot the mechanic twice. He hit the ground. When I realized he was not moving, he was not going to proceed. Uh, once I realized that he was no longer a threat, I immediately proceeded towards the front of the building. Okay. At that time, all three, manager, owner, and mom. No, what did you say? They heard? They had heard the gunshots in the back and were coming this way to figure out what had happened. I had all of a sudden, I had three people in front of me. Mom was the closest, and I shot her two to three times in the chest. Not my best work. Pattern was horrible. She she fell. The owner and the manager ran for the door. They should have ran to me, not away. They were way too close. When I came around that door, it was boom, three people right there. At this point, these two ran. Okay. While they were running, mm -hmm. I emptied it and got this guy. Okay. Then proceeded to go. Did a reload. While this guy was still running, this guy 
but uh, when I hit him, mm-hmm. he crumpled in the doorway. Okay. When I hit my reload, before this guy got out, mm-hmm. I put two in him before he, before, and he actually fell outside. That was a very fast reload. Did anybody, as they were falling, I mean, did they did they look at you? Did they face you? Did did they say anything to you? Was there any conversation? Don't please whatever. No sir. With any of this, I don't remember hearing any of that. I, I will tell you that once I engaged, I was engaged. Okay. Um, so it's like that one. It's almost like a video game. It's not a game, but it's almost like you you you're focused on. You've been there, sir. You know what I'm talking about. Um, no. I don't think he knows what you're talking about. Went out to the front parking lot, and I put, um, I put a round through the guy's forehead. Now, who was that? Is that the manager or the owner? You don't remember? It's one or two. Okay, put one in. And as I did, I put one round in each person's forehead. And then what did you do? Uh... At that point, put the gun on safety and walked outside and got in my car and drove home. I cleared it in under 30 seconds. You what now? I cleared that door in under 30 seconds. You guys would have been proud. I'm sorry, but you guys would have been proud. This was a crime Kohab got away with. Nobody was looking for him, so why would he confess? Kohab's mother, Reggie Tag, says that after they found Kayla alive, she put it all together. One night, while authorities were at her house, she told them to check out the motorbike case. She didn't know why exactly. She just told them, just check it out. This is Spartanburg County Sheriff Chuck Wright. We found out today, not, not a week ago, not a month ago, we found out today what I'm about to tell you. Back in 2003... There were four members of Spartanburg County Society brutally murdered. It's called the Super Motorbike Case. I'm happy to report to you because my God answers prayers. We signed four warrants on Todd Callup today with a confession that he did this crime. Praise God. That's right. Praise the Lord. So why did he do it? Why did he murder everyone in that store? Reggie, Kohep's mom, told reporter that the shop owner and the employee teased her son about not knowing how to ride a motorcycle. Kohep told his mom that he wanted revenge because he couldn't handle the rage and the anger. Reggie asked her son, Todd, why did you do this? You had everything. I gave you everything. And he responded, because they embarrassed me. They made me feel so bad. When Kohep's mom asked about Caleb Brown and Charlie Carver, he told her that he didn't like the way Charlie talked to him. She said that he was supposed to be working for her son and had a real smart mouth. This is Todd Kohep's mother speaking to WSPA's Amy Wood. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. If I had thought for two seconds early on that he had done it, I would have called the sheriff. And I feel such shame. I feel so ashamed that my son hurt them. 
Maybe Reggie Tagg didn't know about the killings, but she did know that her son was deeply disturbed. Throughout his childhood, he showed sign after sign of violence and extreme anger. She says he attacked a girl on the school bus and stabbed her in the leg because she made him mad. He used anger to get his way. When Kohep was a kid, he killed his goldfish because he wanted a pet gerbil. A mental evaluation of his preteen years shows that Kohep spent three and a half months in a mental hospital as an inpatient, committed because he couldn't get along with the other children. As he got older, the violence got more intense. She describes being scared after her son took a claw hammer and tore up all her furniture. She says she was scared for her life. She says he was tall and strong, and one night, she locked him in his bedroom just so she could get some rest. His parents divorced when he was only two years old, so he didn't really know his real father. But one day, when Kohep was a teenager, his father showed up out of nowhere. When he was 12, his mother and stepfather split up, and Kohep was sent to Arizona to live with his biological father for the summer. In October 1986, he returned to Arizona to stay with his father. He was 16 at the time. During that time, his father had a business trip to attend and left Kohep home alone for a few days. According to police records, Kohep lured his 14-year-old neighbor into his house. Kohep tied the girl's hands with the rope and put tape over her mouth. The girl says he raped her. After the attack, she says he walked her home and threatened to kill her younger brother and sister if she told him what happened. Police found out, and he got arrested. The case was resolved when Kohep agreed to plead guilty to kidnapping in exchange for the sexual assault charges to be dropped. The judge sentenced Kohep to 15 years without the possibility of parole. Once out of jail, it didn't take long for Kohep to get back on his feet. He quickly applied for a South Carolina real estate license. Interesting enough, he wasn't required to pass a background check. In the license application, he dumbed down the kidnapping charges. He chalked it up to having a heated argument and a breakup with his girlfriend. The license was approved, no questions asked. And now, here we are. Seven innocent lives taken that we know of. Was there anyone else? Here's Kohab speaking to investigators after being arrested um, for Kayla's kidnapping. You had mentioned to your mom mm -hmm. and that we, when we had talked at the jail that there were others and you told your mom she didn't have enough hands. I had some altercations in Arizona. Okay. Um, I don't remember all the details. I had a friend of mine that got shot come out, coming out of a alleyway. Okay. I found the guy later on. Who was your friend that got shot? Uh, Michael something. I was a kid, I don't remember. Michael something. Do you remember the guy that you shot? I never knew his name. You never knew his name? He, he drove a Nova, Cray Nova. What year was that, you think? Well, how old were you? 14. You were 14? That's a 10. Okay. Um, my, my understanding is there was some kid who wanted to be in a gang and was doing his initiation. And his initiation was to shoot your friend? We were just two kids coming out of an alley. We weren't part of nothing. We were part of nothing. You know what's strange? From all my research, I can't for the life of me find any information on this incident. Kohep doesn't even remember the person's name. We don't know if the boy died. Hell, we don't even know if any of this is true. 
Cole Hepp is known for creating wild stories. Um, have you killed anybody else in Spartanburg? No, sir. Have you killed anybody else in South Carolina? No, sir. Other than the boy in Arizona and super bikes mm-hmm. and the ones that we have on the property, mm-hmm. have you killed anybody else? And this is where I ask you this. Is that enough? I do, but no, 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 this is the thing. No, this is the thing. This is not to drive a nail home or anything like that, okay? You had your moment in here with your mom, and this is your opportunity to get everything. It, it's not, you, you know what I'm saying? It's an opportunity to get everything out of the way. You know, because you're going to be sitting in a cell. Mm-hmm. And, and there's going to be lonely times. And and you're a compassionate person. I'm a compassionate person. Mm-hmm. Okay? In the heat of the moment, when somebody pisses you off, you may want to beat the shit out of them, shoot them, stab them, kill them, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you're laying there at night, it's gonna, it may bother you. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason I'm asking. That's all That's the only one you shot. Okay. There's probably not a lot we're going to be able to do for you. I don't know. Giving you a, a clear conscience is one of the only things we can... Honestly, I'm not worried about my conscience. You gave me what I wanted. What I wanted was to be have the opportunity to take care of my mom, whether my girlfriend says it or not, to at least attempt to take care of her and her kids. Do you, you still want me to reach out? Well, I have not yet. But do you still want me to reach out and talk to her to see if she wants to come see you or talk to you? If she would, please. Okay, I will. The biggest thing is, please let her know that whether I screwed up, I can't fix it. I hope that she doesn't basically let her pride get in the way. I've got mom to clear her house on trying to sell this stuff off. Okay. No one will get rich here. But the idea is, I'd like to be able to get enough money where she is not damaged, where she can basically restart her life. Okay. Without. Okay. This over her head. Okay. And put the kid through some school. Okay. She goes up to be something positive. Okay. Um, past that, that's all I wanted. Todd Kohab pleaded guilty to seven counts of murder, two counts of kidnapping, and one count of criminal sexual assault. He was sentenced to seven consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. At the time of this recording, a bill is working its way through the South Carolina State Senate. If passed, it will require real estate agents, hairdressers, pharmacists, psychologists, medical examiners, to have their records examined before getting a state license. Next time on Pretend Radio, we're going to switch things up a little bit. I'm going to introduce you to Sharon McConnell Dickerson. At the age of 27, Sharon worked as a flight attendant and a cook. I was flying on corporate and private jets cooking 
for executives and uh, private families, vanities, musicians. Not a bad gig until one morning. In between a series of flights, everything changed. And uh, so when I woke up in Chicago many years later, it was such a shock. I was on a trip and I woke up and it was like a heavy fog had set in. It was a really uh, hard morning and I don't know how I, I made it that day, but uh, on that plane, I remember going downstairs at the lobby and before the pilots would get down there and, and I would sit in the lobby and pretended to read a newspaper and because I knew if I had caught eye of someone and I didn't respond that I might be found out. I was faking it real good. And I had to somehow, you know, get it together. What am I gonna do, what am I gonna do? And, and I just did it. Hi everyone, I am so impressed. You guys are really spreading the word about this podcast. This is a, a project that just is really personally rewarding for me and the fact that you guys are listening and sharing it and people are liking it is kind of like if somebody was reading your diary. It is so weird, but I love it. So keep spreading the word. No complaints here. I got some really great shows coming up. I'm going to try to keep them a little positive because not going to lie, this uh, serial killer series kind of bummed me out. <laughs> I mean, listening to that every day was kind of depressing. So it's probably going to be a while till I do another serial killer podcast, but just bear with me. I'm going to lighten the mood a little bit. So keep doing what you're doing. Spread the word. I love it. And I'll see you guys next time. Creative Babble.